All right, so uh, I think God has something for us this morning. I believe that God wants to move in us, and he wants to do a miracle in us. Amen? And he's the captain. And so we let him steer the ship this morning. We let him run where he wants to run for the, minute, the minutes that we have. So, look, I'm, I'm just going to talk to y'all. Can we talk? We're family. Can we talk? Yes. Can we have a conversation? Okay, yes. because a quiet church is a... Come on. So I, I need some amens and hallelujahs so I can be inspired to keep going. How many of you guys realize that, right? Yeah, all right, that worked. Come on. Come on. You guys don't get it. You show up at your jobs and like whether or not, I don't know if any of you work retail, but if a customer comes in or doesn't, if you work retail and no customers come in, break time, like that, that's a good thing. But as a pastor, if nobody comes in, that's kind of sad and depressing. Now, I'm glad we have a good crowd. Do you know that a lot of the churches, many of the churches that I'm friends with and I love the pastors dearly, are shut today. Like, they have closed their churches again. We will not close, okay? We will offer lots of distance and put extra chairs so you can take as much distance as you want. We got hand sanitizers. You can wear, you can do whatever you want to do, okay? I don't care. You can come in in like, in, in, uh, in one of those like hazmat suits if you want. That's perfectly fine. You can come in in a ghillie suit so nobody can see you and hug you. All right, that's perfectly fine. Whatever, you can come in all camoed out and just hide in the, you can camo yourself like the chair and then no one will know you're sitting there. Whatever you want to do, but we're going to stay open. We're going to keep going because we believe that God has a message here. Do you know I read a study? Come on. I read a study. I saw a study the other day that said in the month of October, more people in the country of uh, Japan, more people in Japan committed suicide than died of coronavirus. I am not diminishing the virus or its impact. Okay, we have somebody that was, uh, went to the emergency room yesterday, uh, Larry Knoll. Let's pray for them. Let's remember them in our prayers. They went to the emergency room because they have COVID and he got it really bad. So I'm not diminishing that it's real or that it has consequences and that it's, it's a real thing, that you get really sick. Okay, I was with Rick Joyner for a couple of weeks and then after I left, he got COVID and he was hospitalized and he was on death's door. Uh, he said he was at 1% battery. Like, that was it. He was, he was bad. Okay, so I'm not diminishing that there's something real here. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when is the moment where the impact of saying say from it is worse than the it? I'd say when I hear things like very sick, almost, and then I hear the word suicide because of depression from being isolated, I think one might be worse. I think this one might be worse. I think the years of trauma that people are going to have to overcome and the fact that mo many people don't have a Jesus to get through it, it's going to last a generation. And so we more now than ever have a mandate from God to get people to the good news so that they are not lost in their own hopelessness. Because they're hiding out to stay safe from a virus, but the real virus is the hopelessness that isolation brings in. That separates us from other people. There's a reason why, and I'm just speaking from the Holy Spirit right now, there's a reason why the greatest commandments are the two, love God and love others. Love God and love others. When we are void of others, we are not complete. Many times we go through trials and tribulations, hurts and pains, and that causes us to isolate from others because they are the weapons of our wounds. 
And when we isolate from others, we think that we are protecting ourselves. But really what we are doing is we are taking away half of what God commanded us to do. God doesn't give commands that are pointless or powerless. God gives commands for a purpose. And that purpose is to make sure that you are never isolated. Because in nature, the isolated animal is always the one the predator takes down. And the Lord understands that you are better together. A three-stranded cord is not easily broken. So in this season, it is more necessary than ever for us to draw together in strength and unity. To come together and be, form a cohesive bond that cannot easily be broken. We must be braided together. That means we do life together. It doesn't mean we show up to church and listen to a good message and go home. That model is broken. The, the come in, listen to some music, listen to the message and go home is a broken model. We do it and it's broken. It has to go beyond that. We cannot just be Sunday Christians. Because what will happen is the enemy will pick you off one by one. He will just tear at you. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I feel like that. That's how I feel right now. And I'm not scolding you. I'm giving you the tools to dig your way out. To get out of that. If we don't come together, if we don't find a way to community, even in social distancing, even in, 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 in distance, then we're going to break. And I'm telling you right now, the enemy wants to break us. The enemy's goal is to squeeze us. I have been releasing prophetic word after prophetic word about this season that we are in right now. If you have been at this church, you have heard me say it over and over again. I listened to Jim Cavuto who, who played, um, I think I'm getting that name right. What is it? Who played um, uh, Jesus. Yeah, Caviezel. Thank you. Caviezel. I knew I was saying that wrong. Um, who played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. And he gave an articulate statement on our season right now that went with every prophetic word that I've given. And he feels like we're on the brink of, of civil unrest and possibly civil war. And we're in this season. And I feel like he's right. And I've been speaking words for seven months now about this season. I want to remind you guys of what I've said because I think I need to put this together. As you hear the words that I've spoken over the last seven months, I think you'll see the picture. I've declared the things that are passing right now. In fact, I went back and looked to check myself because I don't label myself a prophet. That's not, I'm not. I don't label that. But I've released a lot of prophetic words that are national words this year. More than I ever have in my life. Time's a bunch. And as I went back, I said, let me just see if anything I've said has come to pass because if it's not, I should be quiet. I should, I should limit what I say or, or be very sure. And I looked back and I realized that everything I've said has come to pass. Every single thing is in the season now. In March, I said that revival was coming. I sat on a beach in California and said revival is coming to the nation and it's coming to California. I sat with pastors on a beach in Santa Cruz, California and said there's revival coming and God is pouring out his bowls of fire from heaven 
on to the people and I see people worshiping him. And as they throw their hands up in worship, the next row begins to worship and they catch on fire. And then they throw their hands up and they catch on fire. And as more people worship, the fire spreads to there's a multitude I cannot count. And within two months, Saturate OC started where people on the beaches in California began to gather and worship. And the more they worship, the more people came. Until Sean Foyt showed up a month after it began, and he began to do it, and he took that around the country. Everything I said on that beach in California came to pass. I released a word and said that COVID would pass over by Passover. And that was the only one that I questioned God and said, Lord, did I miss it? If I did, I'll publicly repent and say, hey, guys, I tried. I'm not a prophet. But I didn't. Because I said it would pass over by the 8th. I I gave it a date. And if you look at the statistics for COVID, if you look at the statistics, the death rate peaked the beginning of Passover, and then it continued to fall after that. And it fell, and it fell, and it fell, and it fell. And then we have this second round that's come up. And as there began to be a second round, I went to the Lord and I said, is this just, like, is this thing over? Is this media hype? Is this just fear being spread about something that's already died? And we just keep wanting to talk about it. I said, or did I miss it, Lord? If I missed it, I'll say something. Did I miss it? And he says, no, you did not miss it. And I said, well, you got to explain this to me. And he said that when the nation of Israel was brought out of Egypt, when the nation of Israel was brought out of Egypt, Moses gave particular specific commands. He said, mark your doorposts. Stay in your house. Stay up and pray. Hide for a season, Right? socially distance, stay in, stay safe. That's what Moses said for a night. He says, but in the morning, after death has passed, come out and leave the land of Egypt. And in the morning, the nation came out and left the land of Egypt. They obeyed and listened to the word of the prophet. In our nation, many prophetic voices says, COVID will pass over by Passover. I was just one of the echoes. Even our president said, you will be able to go and celebrate Easter. When Easter came, the churches were closed. They did not obey the word of the generals of faith, the prophets that said, come out and leave Egypt. We did not return to church. They did not obey. They said, we can hide in our house one more day. We'll see if that spirit of death passes. We'll just, you know, be sure. And they missed their opportunity to leave. And the Lord said, they did not obey the voice of my prophets. So they will circle the desert one more time, just like the Hebrews did. They will circle one more time. And so I said, wow. But at the time he told me, he says, but now I will cause it to end because my church is finally awake. This was when churches in California saying, we will no longer close our door. We do not care. They were fining them. And out of all people that stood up, it was John MacArthur, okay, who doesn't believe in healing or any of the manifestations of the gift saying, we don't care about COVID, we have a big God. See, he woke up and they find him every single day and he kept his church open. And so the church started to resist what the government was saying and lean into what the Lord was saying. And when that happened, he says, now my church is awake, I can do something now. And so the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago and I asked him, uh, he just came over me and I said, Lord, what about this whole thing? Like, this is getting crazy. And he says, it'll pass over by Passover. 
And he says, I brought, you did a full circle, but it will pass over by Passover this year. And I released that word publicly a few days ago and said, by, by April, this thing will be almost not newsworthy. It will slowly diminish. And by April, it will not be newsworthy anymore. And you will just see it just fade from memory. By April. I wish I could tell you by December. But that's not what the Lord told me. So we'll see if I'm right, but I believe that I am. It will pass over by Passover. So I looked it up. Passover is, is March 27th this year. March 27th. So the end of March, the beginning of April. So I looked up and said, what, what's flu season? When is flu season? Because this is a virus. Like, what's the normal season for flus? And I looked it up, and it turns out that the science of it is that the flu season generally runs during the cold months and is usually over by guess which month? April. It's usually gone by April. And then I saw another news article just a couple days ago, and it said this, that Pfizer and Moderna, Pfizer in particular, that developed this vaccine that's got a 95% efficiency rating, okay, which the, the, the government standard for releasing a vaccine on this thing was 50%. So this thing has a 95%, and they said that if, as long as everything goes through the FDA, fine, that they will have mass distribution to the nation and to the world, they'll have mass distribution done by, guess which month? April. So I believe the voice of the Lord. Amen? But I said this, I released many words, but on August 10th, I released a word that I said this. I see two sides. I see each coast, and I see light and darkness, and they are coming together, squeezing, and they are clashing in the nation. Light and darkness are coming together in a battle. And I see the clashing of swords in the heavenlies. And so I saw a great spiritual battle coming. So I see the battle that's looming in the earth. And so I announced that a battle was coming to us. And I want to be very clear here. I'm talking about a spiritual battle that may or may not manifest in the physical. I'm being very clear here. It may manifest in the physical. We are on that brink. I don't know how plugged in you guys are, but this is the first time in my life that I have seen the conservative side say it's time to take up arms. We, we watch the news. We know who the ones that are like looting, smashing windows, causing violence, burning things. It's always one side. Okay? The reason why the enemy pushes us through politics sides so much is because he knows that we don't want to be seen as unloving and unpeaceful. So that you can push us a little harder. You can poke us and, and just tell us, aren't you supposed to turn the other cheek? So the enemy keeps pushing, but there's a moment where he overplays his hand. And I've seen more people on our side of faith, our side of beliefs, that are beginning to say, maybe it's time to fight back. So we are on a brink. I am not, I'm not up here telling you that we, we should or shouldn't. That's not what my message is today. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you the signs of the season. They asked him, when will you come back, Jesus? And he said, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes. He told them the signs of the season. I'm just informing you of the signs of the season. But I am going to give you a key to getting through it and getting it on the right side of this. So I said that this clash was coming. And I said that on August uh, 10th was the first time I released it. I released my blog on August 18th. Chris Reed had his word that has now been seen by 3 million people on my broadcast and, and Sid Roth's and several others. 3 million people have watched it and they're all talking about basically the same thing. 
that there was a war. George Washington put his arm around Trump and then there was, there was war. There was a revolution. That's what he said. There is another revolution coming. And so he gave that and he said, all eyes were on Philadelphia. And he gave that word long before the election. All eyes are on Philadelphia. Where are the, where are the eyes? Right? They're one, one of the couple of key places where everyone keeps talking about. There's like three or four. But Philadelphia is one of those cities. How could Chris Reed know on August 20th that that was going to be a big factor? So we don't know how that'll play off. But my anticipation is a lot of the other ones will be resolved and Philadelphia will be the one lingering. You'll, we'll see. That's not a word from the Lord. I just think that that's going to be right. So I release this word. But in the word, when the darkness and the light came together, the geysers of revival that had been stored up in the ground, wells of revival began to burst forth. I said that and put it on my blog that's on the website on August 18th. Geysers of revival, wells of revival burst forth into geysers and gushed up and that water began to pour out and revival covered the cities. When Dr. Mike Hutchings was here a couple weeks ago, what did he say? Wells, like oil rigs. He saw wells pouring out of the Devon Tower and overflowing onto all of Oklahoma City. He confirmed the word I gave not knowing my word. He doesn't hang on everything I write. So the Lord has been giving me these words that have come to pass. And just recently I said I saw a group of people and they were arguing and fighting. And as the fighting diminished, the enemy was left exposed. As they backed away from the battle, the enemy was left exposed. And I've been saying since March that we are in a season of exposure. That we are seeing the darkness be exposed. And that men and women of God are being exposed. And if they're found wanting, they're removed from their positions of power. But not just godly men, but government. That there is a season of exposure that's happening to us. I'm just trying to paint this picture because I need you guys to see what's happening. Does that mean that I'm calling for this to happen? No. Because I believe very concretely that the Lord showed me a battle in the heavenlies is going to happen, period. We are at warfare with the darkness. We are at warfare. So I know that it, it, <laughs> if I just come in here and say, the Lord loves you, you're just going to do okay today, and this week's going to be awesome then maybe we could have a couple thousand people here at church. But I am not interested in babying you to the grave. Here's how I see it. There's a whole lot of soldiers, but there's only a few seals. This church needs to be the elite. Okay? So I'm going to make you battle ready and some of you can't take it. That's all right. I love you. I love you. But that's fine. We'll honorably discharge you. It's perfectly fine. You just come let me know. I can't hack it, boss. I can't hack captain. <laughs> can't hack it. I'm captain now. Come on. Come on. So there's something coming. But whether it manifests in the physical is going to be up to how we respond in the supernatural. Whether it manifests in the physical has to do with how we spawn in the supernatural. I am not saying it's time to pick up our weapons. I'm saying that it's time to pick up the weapons of our warfare, which are not flesh and carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, and the strongholds of the enemy need to be torn down. And so there is an enemy, and he is after 
the heart of our nation, the heart of you, the heart of your family, the heart of your finances. He's after all of it, and he wants to destroy you, and I won't let him. I am not interested in your destruction. I'm not interested in him whispering lies to you. I'm not interested in him tearing down the image that God has created you in that does not allow you to feel loved, that does not allow you to feel accepted, that makes you feel isolated and alone even when you're surrounded by people. The reason why our suicide rate is up so high is simply because of this, because people are actually isolated now, yet they already felt alone and distanced while people were present. So what happens when you take even the smallest bit of human contact away? That's what happens. So we have an opportunity now to engage the enemy now, or we can go after our brothers and sisters. So what do we do? See, the weapons of our warfare are things like peace, joy, love, forgiveness. Those are the strongest weapons we possess. Prayer, praise. Maybe you need to write those down. They're kind of simple, but write them down. Prayer, praise, love, peace, joy. Peace is a mighty weapon of warfare. I've preached on this before. But the Hebrew pictogram for the word peace, the ancient first writing of Hebrew that gave the word peace, it actually translates as this. If you look at the, the pictures and what those words, those letters represent, it actually means this. The power to destroy the authority of chaos. Peace, the word shalom in the Hebrew, actually means the power to destroy the authority of chaos. We need to use peace to destroy the authority of chaos. See, we go after the chaos, but we never go after the authority, the one ordering the chaos. And what we do is we battle against the chaos and never bother to go after the boss. And we have to go after the boss. We have to begin to war against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and start to step up with our faith. And that means, look, look you're like, I'm not going to swing. I'm not swinging. Your weapons of warfare is exactly what that testimony was this morning from Tara. That testimony. I told her God loved her. And see, the, the darkness was creeping into that woman. She had no joy in her eyes. She had no peace in her eyes. She had no love in her eyes. There was, no, there was nothing shining in her eyes. The darkness was there. And her, I, God loves you, was a weapon of warfare that brought that woman back the light that brought back joy into her eyes. Your weapon looks very different than you think it does. And what we have to get is that we are not just playing church, y'all. Oh, get to go to church today, got a new dress. I don't think anybody's in a dress in here. <laughs> Strange, weird church. <laughs> I'm gonna wear a suit from now on. It's not happening. My neck gets too itchy. I can't handle it. Ugh. That's our weapons of our warfare are different than you think. See, one of the weapons that we have, love, praise and worship, prayer, peace, joy. But one of the weapons we have is forgiveness. Did you know that? That forgiveness might be one of the most prominent and powerful weapons that we have right now in this season that we are facing. Look, look y'all, you know I'm ornery. Okay, you know that I am saved, but I am not soft and I can get triggered really quickly. All right. 
okay? I got lots of words, and I'm passionate. So when they come out against you, they sound really mean sometimes, all right? I don't mean it, but that's just, that's, I'm, I'm expressive. So I'm like, no, and you're like, whoa, whoa, bro, chill. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I was peaceful. <laughs> I'm just taking yours. Uh, look, but one of the greatest weapons that we have is forgiveness in this season because I can get triggered just as much as anybody else. And I tell you what, it only takes about 45 seconds of scrolling through a social media feed before I get triggered. One way or the other, I'm ready to fight someone. Say it again, saying, spreading your nonsense. Okay, I'm going to say something political and, and I don't care what side you're on, but I'm right, okay? I'm right. You know why? Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Hebrew, I'm a Jew, I'm an ethnic Jew, and I get really sick and tired of seeing people post on social media about Hitler, these are the signs, and this is what Hitler did, and hey, watch it, da da da, da and they don't know nothing about nothing, okay? And I get really tired of seeing that nonsense. Let me tell you what, a lot of people, are try, all, they always try to do that. They always try to paint everybody into Hitler, but being somebody who my ancestors died in those gas chambers, let me say that I have a right to say something. All right? So let me just say something to you. The number one thing that allowed Hitler to rise to power was to control the narrative, to control the media, to control what was allowed to be said. When your voice is no longer free to speak, dictators are free to take over. That's how it works. When we can no longer say something that I can disagree with you on, that's when we create a platform for dictatorship, for suppression, for slavery. Freedom and slavery all hinges on our ability to speak our mind, even when we're wrong. Even when we're wrong. That's the truth. And I only see, and I see trouble on the horizon when now that free speech is being condemned. And I need to say this to you guys, and we'll come back to forgiveness, but I need to, I need to get you mad first so you have something to forgive, okay? Makes sense. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't need to forgive anybody. Well, hold on, just give me a second. I'll get you mad, all right? We're in a season now where I believe right now the church in America is being persecuted now more than it ever has ever in American history. Now, don't hear me wrong here. Our persecution is minimal compared to what I see in nations around the world. I want you to understand that. I'm going to Pakistan. I just preached in Pakistan where a thousand people gathered for a meeting that if they would have gone into the Muslim rich areas, they faced death just for coming to the Christian meeting. When I preach in Pakistan, they let me know, you can say Jesus is Lord, but you better demonstrate it before you say it or they'll try to kill us. Need you to hear me here. So don't just come out and say, Jesus is Lord, because the Muslims that came to that meeting to find out why people are going to get healed at this meeting are curious, and then you start with that, and they will try to kill us. You need to demonstrate that your God heals first. And so I preach a great message. Tell them Jesus loves them. Then I pray for the sick. They get healed, and then I tell them who Jesus really is. And by then, they've seen the manifestation of his glory, and they can't deny it anymore. But don't say it in the beginning. Don't start with that. They'll try to kill us and we won't get anywhere. That's real persecution. So I want you to understand that what we're facing right now is not that, but it, it could come. We're in a season right now where if you post on social media about God, they will silence your voice. And I want you to understand that I roll with a lot of pastors 
who are big on social media. They've been demonetized. Their posts have been taken down. My posts have been demonetized. I had Scott McNamara on my broadcast. Scott McNamara is famous for one thing. Okay, he's been in the finger of God and all these different Christian uh, movies. He's famous for one thing. Knocking on people's door and telling them that Jesus loves them. He shares the gospel door to door. His book is called um, Jesus at the Door. And he teaches people how to go door to door and share the gospel, very simply. That, that was his entire message on our broadcast. Is sharing the gospel, very simply, going door to door, talking to people, being unafraid to share your faith. YouTube demonetized it and said, this does not fit our guidelines for our advertisers. So I appealed it. They came back and said, after manually reviewing your video, it does not fit our guidelines for advertising. Sharing, so I appealed again. And a third time they came back and said, sorry, this does not meet our, our community standards for advertisers. So therefore, we no longer will allow you to monetize this video, which means that when they play the little ads on YouTube, that we get some of that back. So they're still playing ads. We just don't get anything. Sharing Jesus loves you is not agreeing with their community standards. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. We're, we're at a place now where if you say something the other side doesn't like, they will call it hate speech. They will declare that it's bigoted because we want you to know that Jesus loves you. That's the war we're in. This is not a game. This is not playtime. Okay, your voice is being taken away. Your right is being taken away. And don't think for one second, I'm just talking about social media. What did I tell you? That light and darkness, there was a squeeze happening in our country. I named off two things. I said that there are two great thrones in our nations that are twin thrones. I've talked about this, twin thrones over our nations. And they, they're California and New York. And they are twin thrones that are squeezing our nation. And those twin thrones rule over the air the, uh, Satan's dominion here in America. Satan is what? The ruler of the air. That's his kingdom, the ruler of the air. And it's so interesting that California rules the entertainment air and New York rules the media air. Now, there are four pillars over those, so not just the two pillars. There are two twin thrones and four pillars. One of them is media. One of them is entertainment. The other one is technology, California and Silicon Valley. And New York is the money, stock market. So technology, communications, entertainment, media, and the money. Those are the four pillars over two twin thrones that rule the air. Everything's done digitally through that. It goes through the air. And that's what we're facing right now. Isn't it interesting that both of those places have also been the two places that have controlled church the most? Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and then Cuomo, the governor of New York, which they're related. Hmm, I don't know, that's weird. Isn't that interesting that they're both related? They're family. Yeah, two governors. Doing the same thing shutting down churches while leaving bars and strip clubs open as essential. 
Did you hear what I just said? Bars and strip clubs in those states are still open and allowed to be, but church is not essential. Thanksgiving has been canceled. You are not allowed to have more than your own family in your house for Thanksgiving in those two states. There's a third one that's even worse than that. They're fining people if you, if you go to Thanksgiving. Yeah, literally fining people, $1,000 if, if you have more than your family over for Thanksgiving. If you pro, the, law, the, the law is if you protest about it and post that you are going to do it anyways, the fine is $25,000. If you say you're going to do it, do you see what's happening? If you do it, it's a thousand. But if you say you're going to do it, it's 25,000. They want to silence the voice of opposition. That's the war we're in. I know we're running over just a little bit, but that's the war we're in. It's really important I make this point. That's the war we're in. They're taking away church. They're taking away church. There's one church in California that has $350,000 in fines so far for staying open. And they've had no deaths of COVID in their church. None. Not saying that it's not hurting people. I'm saying they've had none. $350,000. Am I painting the picture? See, I told you I'm gonna make you mad a little bit. You're like, that's ridiculous. So our posts are getting censored. We're not able just to tell people Jesus loves them. We're not free to do that. And they're trying to take away our opportunity to even be in church. I'm grateful that we have a governor who's a God-fearing man, who's a spirit-filled, holy rolling, prophesying, speaking in tongues governor. Okay, who has kept our, our, our churches open and said they're essential. But there's a lot of churches that are shutting right now. And I, I fear for those that are being told to sit down, shut up, and close their doors and that are doing it. And they're not listening to the voice of the Lord. So what I want to tell you is this. Look, this is the point I'm getting to. There's an enemy. And you can look at it and say it's that governor or that governor, or you can say it's that political party. It's that political leaning. It's that person. It's those people. And you can keep pointing to the person. Keep pointing to the person. Keep pointing to the person, but you will miss who it is. Sean, come here for me. For, come up here. Um, Russell, come up here. He's like, yeah, tag me in. Right. Yeah. Stand right here in the center. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Right about there. Okay, I want you to understand something. So sh you're the bad guy. You're the, you're, the, you're the tough, big, bad guy. This doesn't go well for me. This is the enemy. Okay? So this is, this is, this is our opposition. This is the human flesh opposition, the one we're mad at. He's the governor. He's the, he's the brother that hurt your feelings. He's the family member. You're like, I am not inviting them to Thanksgiving. Okay. Right. He's the one that has triggered you, that you're upset at, that has hurt your feelings, that has damaged you. He's the father that didn't pay attention to you. He's the, the mother that, that didn't say nice things to you. That's who he is, but this is the enemy. Okay. I want you to understand what the enemy does. See, who's the real target here? This is the bad guy. He's the one controlling him, but I want you to stand in front of him. No, face me. He was going to beat him up. I was sure. I saw it in his eyes. You didn't see. He was like, fight time. Pastor has the best sermon illustrations. 
All right, I want you to get this. Hopefully the camera can see this. Can you guys see Sean anymore? See, what happens is, is that the enemy has learned how to use you as a shield and make you the target of my anger. Let me be serious here for a minute. This is a good illustration. And then you can goof off. I'm going to have to say that again now because you're like... <laughs> The enemy wants to use you as the target. See, what the enemy does is, instead of confront you directly, he wants you to face a flesh and blood. Even though the word of God that we know says we do not battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness, we still end up warring with our fellow man. We get keyboard warrior. We don't like that post. We argue with it, right? We battle against the flesh because we can't see the enemy behind him. We can't get to the enemy behind him. We're not able to attack the enemy. Because all we want to do is focus on this person hurt me. This person made me upset. This person wronged me. And I know the enemy told him to do it. But what we don't get is that this person is only standing in front of the enemy because he is in slavery to the enemy. He is chained to the enemy. The enemy has strapped him and chained him and held on to him as a human shield to protect himself. As long as you are warring against this, you are killing flesh and you are battling flesh, but you will never hit the enemy. I want you to catch this really quick. When you walk in forgiveness, when you recognize that this person is merely a pawn and in chains to the enemy, and does not realize the damage they are doing to you, whether you are right or wrong, if they do not you realize the damage they are doing to you, they are a pawn to the enemy, that when you forgive them, you are not allowing them to step on you again. Forgiveness does not mean going back into relationship. But what forgiveness does is simply move them aside so you can fight the right enemy. I'm not using you guys anymore. Forgiveness moves the person out of your way so that you can target the real enemy. That's what happens. But as long as you are focused on the person as the problem, you will never be able to find and attack the enemy. They will always be standing in your way. This person is not the problem. Did they really hurt you? Yeah. Did what they do, was it messed up? Sure. But your ability to hold on to that bitterness will always cause your sights on your laser to be off and you will never be able to laser pinpoint the enemy and take him out. So the enemy doesn't care if you're punching him, stabbing him and shooting him. You don't know what they did to me. I don't need to know what they did to you. Forgiveness is about moving them out of the way so you can take out who really did it to you. Because guess what? When you're done killing this one, the enemy will just grab another human shield. <laughs> Love you guys. You're dismissed. Get out of here. He will just grab another shield. When you have fought to defeat the enemy through somebody else that was used of the enemy... All you will do is take down the shield and the enemy will grab another shield. Forgiveness takes away his armor, not yours. 
Some of you need to armor up, but you never realize that the enemy needs to be de-armored. If you are going to defeat him, you need to take his shield that defends him. You hear how Holy Spirit speaks? I didn't prepare any of this. This is what he says today. And so as we walk through this season, I'm not telling you what's going to happen. What I'm simply saying is, what are the weapons of our warfare? Love, peace, joy, praise, prayer. As we begin to step into these simple things, when we see things wrong in the world or you start to get triggered and what's going on, either nationally, politically, family, work, job, kids, brother, sister, whatever it is that triggers you. Trust me, come on, y'all. We got some family that trigger us, right? Have anybody else, are any of you else like me, like where you look around and you're like, hey, I think I might be the only sane person in my family. And then you're like, wait a second. If I'm the only sane one, maybe I'm the crazy one. Right? I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure. Right? I'm like, no, a lot of people think I'm sane, so maybe I'm okay. I don't, I don't know. All right? So some of you have family that gets you triggered. Some of you face enemies. But let me say this. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. Well, you didn't call me that one time. and You just act like you're busy all the time. I love you. I'm busy all the time. I do like five broadcasts a week. I preach on Sunday, and I've been writing a book. I'm freaking busy, y'all, okay? I just need a nap. I'm busy. Your pastor is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. <laughs> It's not your enemy. Took me a second to get there. It's not your enemy. It's not the target. Unless we learn to focus on the right target. So the word of God says when we praise, the enemy is defeated. Right? The word of God says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. See, a kingdom comes with defenders of the kingdom. A kingdom always has soldiers of the realm. And when we are thankful and we pray, oh, you didn't know this was going to be a Thanksgiving message. Oh, see, here's where it came. You didn't know. I didn't know either. When we are thankful, when we are thankful and we are praiseful, okay? When we are thankful and we praise, we enter his gates and his courts and we enter into the place that has the biggest army for the biggest battles. We enter into a place where we have access to the throne and we say, Lord, we're going to need a legion or two because I got some issues over here. See, what we want to do is we want to complain our way to the throne and we don't get access that way. The Bible says, and I heard the cries of my children. They had to wait 400 years for that noise to make it up to heaven. But if they would have walked in thankfulness and praise and worship, they would have got there the same day. Amen. And they would have walked in and said, hey, Lord, I am thankful for what you're doing. I trust you and I love you. I worship you above all others. And I'm going to say right now, I need a couple legions of angels to help me out for a minute or two. Can I have them? See, Nehemiah went to Cyrus, an ungodly king, a heathen king. And he says, hey, um, so there's this prophecy Thanks for seeing me. He went to Cyrus into the court and he said, there's this prophecy that says we're supposed to be let go. Can we go home now? I know like we've been slaves and all that and you conquered us and junk, but like I miss home. Can we go? 
And he said, well, okay. Yeah, you could go. And he goes, oh, great. Uh, that's right. Oh, we're going to go. Hey, uh, it's going to be a really long journey, and we're going to need some supplies because, like, our, you wrecked our houses. So can I take, like, a ton of lumber with me? Sure. Take a bunch of lumber. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Oh, hey, if I'm taking that kind of lumber, I'm going to need, like, supplies and people. Can I take people and other supplies? Yeah, take, take all the supplies you need. Okay, great. Thanks. Oh, hey, if we're taking that much supplies and wood and, and all that stuff, there's bad guys on the road. Like, we're going to need a lot of, like, soldiers to go and help us and protect us. And, and you need to give us, like, a legion of soldiers to protect us. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Thanks. All right. Thanks, king. Cyrus gave Nehemiah everything he asked because he went to the court of the king. He went to the throne of the king and said, can I have it? And he came in there thankful. He didn't begrudging. He wasn't in protest of the king. He wasn't talking bad about the king. He entered his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Oh, great king. We know you're a good king. Can I go? If, if, a, if a heathen king can be that giving to the children of God, how much more giving is your heavenly father? Bow your heads. Father, Lord, we know that you're giving. Just want a moment of, of uh, intimacy just between you and God so no one looking around for a moment. Father, we determine in our hearts today we will not press into this next season with bitterness, hate, rage, but we will walk in forgiveness. We will let go of the wrong target this morning. We will release those people who are not the target of our weapons, but rather we will walk in thanksgiving and praise of you. Anything that's preventing us this morning from releasing thanksgiving and praise. See, Lord, when we focus on the wrong target, we can't be thankful because our eyes are put on the enemy, the human enemy. So we lose the ability to be thankful. But Lord, I just determined right now that we are going to be a thankful people, a praise-minded people. We will press in to the battle ahead with the weapons of our warfare that we have. And we will fight with those weapons so that we don't have to fight with any others. But Lord, we're faithful to your word and to your voice. We are submitted to you this morning. So as I say that this morning, as we enter into this Thanksgiving season with your eyes closed still for a moment, as we enter into a season we should be thankful for, if you know there are people and things in your life that you need to forgive, that you need to let go of, you need to move them out of the way. Yes, the enemy is using them and we are not gonna argue that, but you know that you have been unable to move, to release them out of the way of the enemy. And you keep on putting them as the shield. It's time to release them from the enemy's grasp and forgive them and let it go. Let it go so you can focus on the real enemy. So if that's you this morning, with every head bowed, just so it's private, if you know you're like, I need to forgive, I need to let that go. Forgiveness doesn't mean you have to call them up and get back in a relationship. It just means they're no longer gonna be the source of your target and your bitterness. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Come on. Be quick to raise on this one. Amen. A lot of hands. Amen. 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 If maybe during this season, 
Maybe during this season, you've been fearful or worried or concerned, or maybe your eyes have been on the wrong target. Not that you need to forgive, but maybe your eyes have been on the situation, the people, the corruption, the, the, the people that have been doing wrong in this season. It doesn't have to be the national. It could be just in your life. If your eyes have been on them and you realize now after I say that, that your eyes need to be on what God is doing. If your, your weapons of your warfare have been carnal and now you need to turn them to heavenly, you have not been praying, you've been complaining about what's happening in your life. If that's you, come on, raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. We're gonna replace your complaint with thanksgiving today. That's what we're gonna do this year. We're going to finish this year by entering his gates and his courts. So look at me real quick, everyone that raised their hands. I want you to look at me when I pray. We created this thing where we close our eyes when we pray. And, and that's okay. It's, when we close our eyes, it lets us concentrate. There's nothing reverent necessarily about it. But I want to say this because I want to break this off you. Right now in the name of Jesus... I break off every attack and lie of the enemy that he has used to turn you against people and used to turn people against you. That you have seen them as a weapon, but I declare right now that they are not a weapon, but they are the shield of the enemy. And right now I just decree and declare that the Lord give you a heart to forgive and release those that have been chained as shields, as body shields for the enemy to do his evil in the world. And right now, I take away any ability for them to harm you and hurt you as a weapon, but they are a shield. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I just decree and declare that you have the ability to lay down your arms against them and walk in forgiveness. They are not your enemy. There is an evil one who stands behind them. And right now in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that every warfare and battle that has been built up against you will fall flat on the ground and it'll have no power or authority to hurt you. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now that all authority of heaven is underneath your feet and you are capable of breaking free of the hold of the enemy to crush and defeat you that you have a clear line of sight against the enemy, the devourer who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in this season, the church will not diminish, but it will rise. And power and authority will come into you because you will be the arms and the feet of Jesus. You will be the ones that declare to people with the weapons of your warfare, God loves you. And you will rise up in boldness, and every time you train, you will learn a little bit more. Maybe all you have is a God loves you shield, but God will put in you, let me pray for you swords. And I declare right now that your weapons and your mastery of them will increase so that you can be the light of God and the love of God to a lost and dying world. You can see victory in your lives because you have the right enemy in sight. And I declare it and release it in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I tell you one more quick story before I just let you go? And you don't have to come up and testify if you want to. I'll tell it if you, if you don't want to come up. But if you want to come up, you make your way up or sit there if you want to. But I just want to say this. Either way, she can raise her hand. Just raise your hand so everyone knows who I'm talking about. That's fair enough. I'll tell the story. If I get it wrong, just yell out, you wrong, okay? A couple of weeks ago, I think two or three weeks ago now, um, she came to service, first time to come to service. And uh, Dr. Mike was here. And they were leaving. 
and the Holy Spirit did this just strange thing. I literally repeated a conversation with Adam that I'd already had with him. I asked him about tattoos and I walked away and went, I feel like I had that conversation. And he walked away going, did we not talk to him about this? And so I felt kind of silly, like, man, how did all of the, and literally as I walked away, it all came flooding back. I had this conversation with him. I asked him all those questions. He told me all, what? Man, he must just think I don't care at all. And so I'm thinking like, that was, that was a pastor fail. And so as they begin to leave, they're leaving after service. And I chase them into the foyer and catch them to say, hey, I remembered I said all that stuff. I, I'm paying attention and just it didn't have enough coffee yet. Right, but I realized after the encounter that the Lord had caused me to forget that for whatever reason so that I would engage and I would feel a little silly and chase them out the door to fix it. So he wouldn't leave thinking, I don't care and didn't remember. Okay? And so as I begin to talk to him about it, we just had this, we were just having this conversation. And uh, I started talking about how many healings have happened on the broadcast and how God has just moved. We've seen thousands of miracles, signs and wonders, healings happen constantly and how we've seen so many healings here and, uh, and sis starts to give her the stink eye, right? And I don't know if she's doing it until she goes, what, stop looking at me like that. That was a good in person. That was exactly what she did. I got that part right. Um, stop looking at me like that. And I was like, wait, is she, what, what is she looking at you like that? Do, do you need to get healed? And she's like, yes. So she tells me about all this damage in her back, torn discs and bulging discs and, and missing discs and right all, <laughs> all kinds of just problems in her back that she's going for surgery, that she has to have surgery for. And um, I begin to, I'm going to do my interpretation of it. It's not funny, but it's right, okay? Um, she, I, I asked her, I said, can I pray for you? So I just, I just begin to pray. And I don't pray much more than 30 seconds, maybe, maybe a minute. And I pray for her, and my hand is just like sweaty hot. Like it's sweating. Her back is hot. And I take my hand off and I go, is your back really hot? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, my hand's on fire now. She's like, yeah, my back's hot. And I said, try it out and see if there's, you know, see if the pain is lessened at all. I said, just try it out and tell me if anything's going on. It's okay if it's not, but just tell me. And so she moves like this and she goes, I said, if the pain was a 10, it was a 10 when you, before I prayed, is it still a 10? Has it changed at all? Is it a seven, a six? Like, just tell me what you're feeling. She goes like this. She goes, if it was a 10, it's, there's no pain. And I said, oh, okay, well, try it out. Like, really see if there's any pain. And she goes, no, there's no pain. No, do something you couldn't do before. It's okay if there's still pain. I'll pray again. And I said, do something you can't do before. And she goes, no, you don't understand. I can feel my feet, and I haven't felt my feet in years, like 10 years, right? 10 years. I haven't felt my feet in 10 years. That's what she did. I can feel my feet. And I'm like, praise God. She goes, no, there's no pain. I can, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can feel my feet. I can feel my feet. I can feel my feet. She starts crying. I start crying. I don't know if Adam was crying. He was crying. All right. They were all crying. I was crying. When, when, First, the joy overcame, and then she realized, like, wait a second. God has actually touched me. God has actually touched me. She told me this morning that she went to the doctor, and they did not give her her normal injections they give her, and the doctor was amazed, right? She didn't get her injections that she needs. She was on her way out the door, and she would have missed her miracle. Hear me. She was on her way out the door and she would have missed her miracle if I hadn't have felt silly and stopped them that morning. 
don't miss your miracle by being caught up in bitterness, being focused in the wrong direction and not chasing God with thanksgiving and praise in your heart. And when you need God, expect that he will show up and release the resources of heaven to you. Don't miss your miracle. Never miss an opportunity when you need prayer to get prayed for at this church. Never miss an opportunity to go before the king and say, these are the needs, Lord. Don't miss your miracle. Amen? Amen. So I'm gonna release the altar call team to come right now. And as I release you this morning, if you need a miracle, if you need a touch in your body, if you need a healing, come on. If you need a healing in your body, then, I, then you come to this altar and you receive it. Come on, guys, quick. So, Father, I just bless them this week in the name of Jesus, and I declare right now the power of God to be all over them, that they are blessed in their coming and their going, and this week, that they are a blessing to everyone they come in contact with. Lord, mount them up with wings like eagles and let them walk with the weapons of your warfare, love, peace, joy, patience, <laughs> praise, thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So you guys are free to come to the altar if you need something and you're free to go. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom.